This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. This is Episode 5. I'm P.F. Wilson, the Content Director for Cincy Shirts, and our sibling site, OldSchoolShirts.com. Today on our show, Dan Smith from Haunted Cincinnati Tours. I only tell the story for the believers because I want people to understand that, I guess, I wasn't sure coming into this if there was the evil, and I heard about this caretaker undergoing a demonic possession, and I always thought that was kind of bull****. And I'd never seen it in all the years I've been doing it. And I wasn't sure it was real. Now I'm 99% sure it's real. This was an incredible interview. Josh, Darren, and I invited Dan to the Hyde Park Studios to discuss not only famous Cincinnati ghost stories and legends, but the paranormal in general, as well as Dan's own experiences and how he got interested in the subject. Uh, Josh was very excited for this, as you're going to hear. Josh and Darren also have a few ghost tales to tell. I throw in one as well. And don't forget to listen for the special 20% off promo code at the end. Uh, And you might want to keep the lights on for this one. I'm going to warn you now. Let's talk to Dan Smith from Haunted Cincinnati Tours. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I, Cincinnati. She came down from Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm at cincyshirts.com in Cincinnati. Okay, everybody, we're here with uh, Dan Smith from the Super excited about this one. We're going to talk about, uh, I'm assuming, ghosts and paranormal activities and whatnot here in uh, the Queen City. Um, I am so excited for this. Yeah, yeah, this is one. It'll probably be a long one, so uh, so, so buckle down and let's see. Let's see if we can learn about the local ghost uh, stories, legends, and lore and whatever else. But yeah, so our podcast really isn't meant to be a, a big big commercial for businesses or whatnot but uh, before we get into all the ghost stories you do run a ghost tour and uh, uh tell, tell us about that like tell us about the business the, side. The, the actual business side and then we can kind of get into how you got into that how you got started and then kind of the, the meat and potatoes with all the the juicy ghost stories so we used to run several ghost tours through Cincinnati and um, I started well. We can get into it later. I started. I experienced a haunting in my home back in like 1995. Here? Which seems Are you like from here. I'm from uh, Metro Detroit. Oh, wow. so I grew up That's in Metro scary. Detroit. <laughs> hey, I was outside. It's not as scary. Yeah. But um, I've always loved. So I've been kind of into the ghost thing, researching that for what over 20 years. And um, I came to Cincinnati, and I knew it was an old city, and thought it had great history. I'm sure it did. And I went to go take a tour, and there was none. There was no kind of tour so i kind of like started researching on my own which i love to do in my spare time and started finding out all of this awesome history and then going getting these connections going wow that place they say it's haunted this place they say it's haunted um so it's kind of morphed now we're in our 10th year we're celebrating 10 years this year so we have two ghost tours we're doing a third this year and then i branched out a couple of years ago and tried to do an offshoot where we do true crime tours as well how did you end up in cincinnati from detroit Hey, the economy fell out of Michigan before everybody else back in 2007. I was in the hotel business. 
I mean, a Walmart in our town closed. It was bad. Oh, wow. And all my family, you know, was working like the big three, you know, auto manufacturers, and it got so bad that if you, you know, I have family that if you weren't 30 years in, you were, you were laid off. So it got real bad. I said, I'm going to try to you know, go across the border, maybe into Indiana and look for work. And um, had some friends at the time that were like, hey, Cincinnati is a place. I have family there. Check it out. And I came down and visited, and I loved it. It was everything that Detroit wasn't, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Downtown, it's clean, it's fun, it's family-oriented. You can go to places, and I really kind of fell in love with the city and then the history, too. Well, that's good to know. So so it wasn't just like a ghost saying, move to Cincinnati. <laughs> move to Cincinnati <laughs> if you move there. <laughs> cool. Man, so, so, so tell us about like how the tour starts. Is it, uh, I mean, you guys meet up somewhere and... Like, like, is it a walking tour? Is it, uh, is there one in their own, own, own cars doing their own thing? Or tell yeah. us about the experience. Yeah, so of we, do, we do walking tours. So kind of the first thing in their adventure is to come and find the tour guy with a lantern who oh. may be dressed in Victorian or in 1920 style or Edwardian period clothing. And, we, and then we, um, lead them by lantern, uh, through, it's about a two, you know, they're two hour walking tours going through some of the most haunted uh, sites in the city and sharing, you know, the awesome stories of history, some of the paranormal claims, sharing some historic photographs with them during the tour to give them context, and then some of the other, like, ghostly photographs that people have caught over the 10 years we've been doing this as well. Oh, yeah, they also get to use real ghost hunting equipment yeah. on our tour, so it's kind of like a fun point for people. Like a proton pack? and Like, oh, hey. It's pretty close. I looked into building that. It would be like $50,000 and about 500 pounds on your back, but it's possible. <laughs> I haven't done it yet. The this, science is there? It is. This may be an obvious answer, but do you believe or are you a skeptic? I very much believe now. I'm open and, to it, but I don't know if I buy it. But I still, I, buy it. I still appreciate how I'm so far removed from that. I still appreciate how crazy it may seem or sound to people. So we also do overnight events where we go and rent out like a whole like Mansfield prison or a whole school or a whole opera house. And we have like all the gear you see on the TV shows plus more for people, people to come out and have a real experience and try to see for themselves if it's real. And that's, I think, a big eye opener for a lot of people when they realize we're not messing with them. But you have to put yourself in those environments. And, um, you know, what? I've got thousands, tens of thousands of hours now over 20 years just kind of like. Most of it's sitting in the dark, you know, waiting for something, talking to the walls, probably no one's there, eating pizza, looking probably really stupid. <laughs> but it's those flash moments where you get a voice or an interaction or see something that makes it worthwhile. And that is what, yeah, when people come along on our overnights, that's what like changes their lives. And they go, oh, sh- this is real. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's start at the beginning then. So. Your interest was sparked when you experienced a haunting. Like, tell us about what happened and where you were. And I was 15 years old in Metro Detroit. My parents had just divorced. It was a stressful time. I was the only child. In each house, my parents started lecturing me about saving energy. Turn off the lights when you leave the kitchen. I yeah. wasn't in the kitchen. Sure, who was it? Turn off the water when you leave the bathroom. Uh, stuff like this started happening around the house uh, here and there, and... I was being blamed being the only child, just weird stuff, and it was nothing really. And then it got to be more noticeable, where I get in the car and go for a ride down the street, and the lights, the street lamps would burn out over the car, not like one or two, but like for a whole mile at a time, noticeably. And you come back later on and realize that they didn't just cycle off; they're burned out still. 
that was weird. Um, and then it, you know, got really weird and culminated one, one night in the summer of 95 where I'm sitting with my father and we had an old cable box. Remember the cable boxes and we're yeah. watching television and they start changing channels. And we're, hey, who's doing that? And before I could even get to the coffee table and grab the remote control, I swear to you, this, these foundation shaking booms came through the house from the back to the front. It was just like a, I don't know, it was like a story, like a horror movie. Um, the like thunder. Flickered. Like, I don't know. It was like a shaking, but it was like the foundation of the house was shaking. You're in Detroit. Maybe it was a, you know, ghetto blaster going by. Maybe. <laughs> the lights flickered, and we had this old, ugly orange recliner in the living room that was like a family heirloom. It was so, it was like a pastel orange. It was so ugly. And it was so old, you had to sit in it and crank with two hands, crank the footrest to even get it open. Yeah. And in the middle of all this stuff happening, maybe it's only 30 or 40 seconds long, but... TV's changing channels, these big bangs, the lights are flickering, and I swear to you, in the middle of the living room with no one around it, this orange recliner popped open the footrest and started rocking back and forth uh, really violently. <laughs> I get the chills. chills! I know, I, I got the So we ran out of the house, my dad yells at me. He's there with what you. What the hell are you into? Are you a witch? Are you conjuring? Are you channeling? What are you doing? I didn't know I was scared, just as scared as everybody, as you know, everyone else that saw it and didn't know what happened. So that fall, my buddy was always teasing me, your house is haunted. <laughs> these, there's these paranormal investigators coming in to, to speak at the local college. Let's go see them. So we ended up going and seeing um, a couple named Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are somewhat well-known now. How do I know that name? Were they on a TV show or something? Uh, or? Ed's been dead for, what, 12 years. But uh, Was he dead that day? No, he was not dead. Uh. So they're known for like the Amityville horror case, Annabelle movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are based on their cases. Um, so I kind of met them and kind of got familiar, pushed yeah. on the path of exploration and trying to figure out what happened to me. My house was haunted. Ironically, now, so many years later, on the side, I run like a small private research laboratory dedicated to scientific studies. In our spare time, we have a couple colleagues that do nerd science, trying you know behind the scenes. But ironically, the science community that researches the paranormal today pretty much agrees that what I experienced is what's called a poltergeist haunting. So for years and years, people thought poltergeist, a German word means noisy ghost, that it was some mischievous spirit who, because there was, you know, they're known for like dangerous manifestations of moving objects and electrical disturbances. But really, today's science community believes that a poltergeist haunting is not caused by a ghost at all. It's caused by a human agent, someone living, a living person. So in essence, you're haunting yourself. I've seen it a lot around women like going through menopause, pregnant women, um, someone yeah, like deeply grieving the the death of like a child or a spouse. Now I don't study this. So is it possession? Or no, no, no. I don't. I don't study. I have colleagues that do. They claim they can measure energy fields around the person's body. So they walk in the room, the lights flicker, but it's them, it's themselves, or, or an object moves. Their aura. They're affecting their their. And again, I don't study this all the way, but I didn't know. I could have charged my friends, hey, Jimmy, give me a quarter, watch this. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but it was very scary, and there was no one really around to help us. This is before TV shows became what they were. So even today, I'm very like passionate about helping families and still receive, like even now, 20 to 30 or 40 calls a year from people saying, please come check out my house, something's going on. So you do house calls? Yeah, I mean... I mean it's a passion of mine. We didn't have anybody to fall back on back then, and um, so it's my passion to really like reach out and help people at no charge to understand because education is key here. 
when they understand what's happening or we can kind of like give them some answers it's so is it is it i mean i'm not asking that's you a lot to share digest. your uh, <laughs> your sales numbers but is it a profitable business have the tv shows so many of them sparked people's interest to take tours like yours because they see it on tv and they're like i want to go do that you know somewhere where i live i think we're definitely in a like a heightened era of interest mm-hmm Every year, I kind of wait for it to fall off, and it keeps getting bigger. Uh, but I think the public perception is also changing, where they realize TV shows are for entertainment. Right. And I think a lot of people are just more interested in the unknown aspect or the mysterious aspect of why is this stuff happening. There's so many documented things and, and cases, and so why, how is this possible? And then, and in essence, any ghost tour at the root of it is a history tour. So a lot of people come along just to learn little facts that they didn't know about the city as well. Yeah. You can tell the ones that got uh, drug along by their spouse or whatever aren't really <laughs> into it for different reasons. Yeah. <clears throat> I actually did the, the tour, oh, man, it's probably three, maybe four years ago. Uh, somebody's birthday party, and I was kind of like, ah, you know, what's this going to be? And, uh, yeah, I mean, we got on the bus, and you guys drove us around downtown, and then we went to what, Walnut Hills, like that little uh, abandoned school or whatever. That's, yeah, I that, mean, that place is condos now. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, so, so is the that old, old the old Windsor Elementary now has been sold and it's uh, condos. I wonder if any listeners live there if it's haunted. Still. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, because that was uh, that was our experience. Was well, you, well, you had all the gadgets, and the one was the uh, uh, the device that you know picked up uh, I don't know frequencies of something, and you could hear the voices in between the uh, the static. The static. And you're like, yeah, there's a pissed off janitor that lives here and, or, you know, haunts this place. And we're just like, yeah, whatever. And walk around. It's a, you know, pitch black gym in this old school, Walnut Hills. And, uh, sure enough, you could hear this old guy cussing at us. Like every, every, uh, I don't know. I mean, he'd just say stuff like, I don't know if it's like, get out or it is, you know, you, you can't so really make it the, out. So the night but... you came, we used to go there. That place has been sold, but, um, yeah, not... so it happened. Yeah. It, the guy called himself Walt and we don't really know what his story was, but he wasn't, I mean, I was wondering if Walt was voice... on the payroll. Cause I was like, wait a second. I was like, we came in here and you could definitely hear this old man grumbling over the static. I'm like, Hey, yeah, so was there a guy behind the, the curtain there or, uh, I don't know. It, it it seemed pretty real. That's for sure. But, where uh, old Walt? Where in uh, in the area would you say is the either the most haunted or when you go on the tour, you're most likely to get a, some type of response. On the for the tours, the most haunted part of town is definitely down in the area of over the Rhine near Music Hall, Washington Park, uh-huh. on top of the old Potter's Field uh, and the old cemeteries that were mostly moved from Washington Park. That is a hot spot year in and year out uh, where people get strange things coming and going on, you know, um, different types of measuring devices. People get weird pictures also in the area over by the Taft Museum. Um, that Taft Museum, Lytle Park area, has been a, really a hot spot in the last year or two. Is it because Picture of the construction at uh, the old hotel? The Anna Louise Inn, they're yeah. turning into a Marriott Hotel. Yeah, so hmm. pull up your pictures and then we'll, uh, if and, unless they're unfit for public viewing we can no. uh, we can put <laughs> we can put them on the blog we show them on the ghost uh, yeah. tour well, the naked on the blog ghost. and on the podbean page <laughs> well i definitely want to do that as a follow up we'll take a tour with you and if, if that's cool yeah yeah, yeah. we're all about team building so oh we'll get our gosh. employees together and uh, scare the crap out of them i can't wait i want to this i was so excited about this episode i have so much i want to <laughs> so, talk to you about but the most haunted 
most haunted building around here, Bobby Mackey's. Yeah, that's over where my in Wilder. For a yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't. Even, I don't even go there. I don't. I'm planning to go back there ever in my life. Again. Really? No, it's really. How bad is a place where the ghost, the ghost <laughs> hunter, the tour master for haunted Cincinnati yeah. won't go there? The business owner, the <laughs> most haunted place ever. Like, let, no. me, let me let me preface everything I'm about to say right now with this: Don't believe a word I say. Go out for yourself. Try to find out what's true for you because you can hear these stories a hundred times and it's only a story. Until you've experienced it and it changes your life, it's not the same. With that said, when I started developing the ghost tours in 2008, I'm so excited. everyone said, you got to check out this place over. This is Honky Tonk Bar just across from downtown Cincinnati in this little town called Wilder. And it's so haunted. You won't believe it. There's visual apparitions you can see with your eyes and there's moving objects and people are getting pushed and scratched and touched it was like the holy grail so we started going there we got in there doing ghost tours doing overnight events and oh my god it was true we were like seeing things with our eyes and following people into rooms and you go in the room and there's no one there there's no way out cameras we set up flying across the rooms voices out of thin air and i don't talk about it a lot anymore but i think it's important (laughs) it's important for people to understand just as in our society and our world, there's a very, there's a lot of diversity, and some people are very giving and loving, and some are not. Some are murderers, and some are very negative. So I don't really subscribe to the. I don't like the word demon or whatever, but I'm going to tell you right now, there's something there, and I've heard it's died down recently, which is good. There's that was above the level of a regular haunt. So we would go in. Just to give you an idea, so I figured out one time I had spent over 600 hours in the place when the bar was closed, doing overnight events and stuff in there. When you're spending that kind of time in the most haunted nightclub in America, you're going to see stuff. Wow. We did. The biggest thing was like these these voices, and in the beginning, these little voices started coming out of thin air. Sometimes through the devices that you heard with the static, sometimes just straight out of thin air onto a magnetic recording device, or you could hear it in the, in the air with your ears. And this little boy named Timmy... He called himself Timmy, and this is over several, I mean, understand, this is over like a year, year and a half. It's not like one time we sat and had a whole conversation with this Timmy. But we started getting this this contact from this young boy's voice, and over a period of time, we heard these different phrases like, hey, he died there and was trapped there, and he fell on the staircase or something. And I got very concerned. This is back in like 2008, 2009, before I learned anything with the clergy about cleansing or exorcism or any kind of that stuff. And I said, oh, there's this young boy. He's trapped there. This is terrible. We need to help. This is, you know, not for entertainment. And then stuff started happening at my house. Middle of the night, 2, 3, 3.30 in the morning, I wake up to, like, the sound of every dish coming out of the cabinet in the kitchen. And you run out there and nothing's out of place. Bad, bad luck. Long streak of bad luck. Like, like, just really bad luck. Like, I get in the car, my car battery would die. You go to the auto zone, get a new battery. The next day, my car battery died. So I went back and I said, you need to test this because you sold me a bad battery. They tested it. No, it's a dead cell. I said, you sold me a bad battery. So I got a third battery. That car battery died. That weekend, my friends, I went with them. Their car battery died. In the house, like laptop computers crashed and died. Desktops died. TVs would turn on and off and die. It got to the point where like a water main under the house broke. All this bad, bad luck. I got mysteriously ill. I had all kinds of weird symptoms. They thought maybe I had MS. Doctors weren't sure what was happening to me. And... I only tell this story for the believers because I want people to understand that. I guess I wasn't sure coming into this if there was the evil. And I heard about this caretaker undergoing a demonic possession. And I always thought that was kind of bull****. 
and I'd never seen it in all the years I've been doing it, and I wasn't sure it was real. Now I'm 99% sure it's real. Uh, um, so it got worse and worse in my house where the smell of like sulfur and garbage was like follow you around out of the house, inside the house, this, this feeling of dread. The worst night was like, th- I woke up, it was like 3.08 in the morning, in the middle of the night, and I lived in this old house, and I closed the doors because it was drafty. And this old, original, like, 1908 or 1910 doorknob starts jiggling in the middle of the night. And I wake up to it, and I am kind of sit up in bed, and my heart starts pounding. Intruder, like, what am I going to use for a weapon? And I swear to you, man, I get the chills. I swear to you, in that room, <laughs> the door cracked open. This is your bedroom? Yeah, door cracked open, the moonlight's on the ground. But there's no one there. There's no one there. But on the wood floor, I hear footsteps walk up to the bed, and I swear to God to you, just as real as you and I are sitting here, something sat on the mattress, and the mattress moved. So I'm shaking my fist at whatever this says, you son of a bitch, you can't be here. So at that time, I was due to speak at a conference, and I met with a bishop um, who had done the Bobby Mackey's episode before that, Bishop James Long, who's the Archbishop of the Old Catholic Church down in Louisville. and uh, He did the episode on Ghost Adventures. I think he did two of them, yeah. I described everything going on. I said, please, can you help me? I've had this weird stuff following me home. And he stopped, and he's told me pretty much everything you're describing as a demonic attachment. If you don't treat it or take care of it, it could be you could become possessed, or worse. Or worse. What's that? What's worse? What's or worse? I didn't know if I believed in it still. It was happening, but I didn't know if I believed in it. And I'll tell you, it took 11 months of weird theological cleansing techniques and new things we were learning in the science lab at the time about ionization rates and stuff. After 11 months, though, one day it all stopped. And all the bad luck stopped, and all the interferences in the middle of the night stopped, and the voices and the smells and the bad luck. And I said, oh, my God, this is real. So we kept taking people there in ghost tours, and I wanted to educate the public, like, wow, there is a real dark side to this, and here it is. Here's how to be safe. And it got to the point where we kept going there and taking people, and they were reporting the same kind of stuff. This is too real. I get angry calls or emails after events, like, my daughter's got woke up by being pulled out of the bed by her hair at night, or there's something that's followed me home. Whether it's true or not, it was like terrorizing pe- people's lives, and it got to the point where we couldn't control it. And these bishops and priests for years were like, "Please stop taking people there. You're taking bait." So, wow. it got to the point where we said, "We can't control this. It's not ethical. <clears throat> it's very haunted, but we don't want to expose people to something this real." And we just stopped going there altogether. <sighs> I don't ever plan on going back. And these aren't like. Drunk sorority girls being dramatic. Is there like real? We had, I'll tell you what, the craziest one. Well, we had these voices would say things. And I'll tell you what, the reason it was above a regular haunting was they would inherently know things about you that regular human spirits don't just know things about you. And they would say it and play it. Whatever your deepest, darkest secret was or fear, they would play it against you. Uh, we had nights where we sat down in that basement doing like group vigils, trying to contact whoever was there, and we would get voices out of thin air. And I remember a night where a girl's name came up, and it started saying little bits of, of words about an abortion she had. And her father, her mother, and her were in there together and got in a fight inside the basement of Bobby Mackey's because the mother never knew about the abortion that just came out by a spirit voice. How weird is that? Or we had a ghost tour. We took a guy in there who was very cynical. He came on the tour and was just a complete ass from the beginning. Like, this is fake. I'm going to expose you. Like, hey, this is for fun. You make up your own mind. We got to Bobby Mackey's where we used to go. We went to the basement. And this guy's like 50 years old. And in the middle of us giving the tour in the basement, he ran out out of the thing 
out of there crying outside. So I asked the people that were with them. There was a couple standing there near the dressing rooms downstairs, and I said, what happened? I don't know. That guy over there is standing in the doorway of the dressing room and says, how are you doing? And this guy freaks out and runs outside. So I said, who? Who said it? And they go back over to that area, and they can't. we go through the whole basement. We can't find the person that they saw. So I go outside and ask the guy, what happened? What, why are you so upset? Man, I don't know what's going on right now, but I swear to you, I just saw, as real as you and me, my dead father from head to toe. And he was standing in the doorway, and he asked me, how are you doing? What? The couple that was there thought it was so real that it was one person on the tour or something, and they didn't realize, I guess it was a ghost they saw, and I didn't see it. But we had to like kind of tell them, like, that place is where that would happen. Like, it's not necessarily your dead father, but they will mimic, and it seems like they would play that against you. Yeah. Or we would get people to come along, and they would hear the voice of their dead relative come through on a recording. Like, you have to be careful. That's not really, it's like a perversion. That's not your dead relative. They're, whatever, however it works, I don't know, but it opens up some kind of, like, trust or you know emotion, and then that opens you for an attachment. I'm not sure how it works. but um, So... Oh my gosh. That's in a nutshell what, what happened there. But So when I was in college, I went to NKU and I was working at Blockbuster. And um, my this is the, the Newport Fort Thomas Blockbuster. And my manager came in on his night off to, to get something. And um, he was like, hey, my dad's going to be on Unsolved Mysteries tonight. Remember Unsolved Mysteries? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love that show. That scared the crap and, out of me. Uh, Robert Stack. Yeah, Robert yeah. Stack. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so he, uh, I was like, what? And he's like, oh, for Bobby Mackey's. And I was like, what's Bobby Mackey's? Because I'm from the Cincinnati side, and I hadn't been on the northern Kentucky side for very long. So I had never even heard of it. He's like, you don't know what Bobby Mackey's is? And I was like, no. And he goes, it's a it's a haunted bar. Um, he's like, my dad is a, is a cop in Wilder. And uh, they're interviewing him for Unsolved Mysteries, and there's this book coming out that he's gonna he's gonna be one of the people interviewed for the book. And so I watched the episode, and his dad was telling the story that's that's in the book that you were referencing a minute ago. I don't know if you were referencing that book, but talking about the caretaker who had been possessed. There's a book out there called uh, Hell's Gate. So I had never read the book, but I his dad told us the story about one night. He got a call that there had been a uh, motorcycle accident, like out in front of Bobby Mackey's, and uh, he gets he gets over there. He's the first one on the scene, and a woman comes out of the bar and brings him some tablecloths to put over the body that's laying in the road, and goes back inside, and then. The next day, he's at the hospital finishing his report, and there's these tablecloths from Bobby Mackey's, and he takes them back there to return them, and they were like, basically tell him like we were we weren't closed we were closed when that happened like no one did that description works mm-hmm. here these are our tablecloths, and so he that's when he first kind of had his first experience there, and then another time there was a report of a break in after hours, and he goes to the front door. And it's locked. So he goes around to the back door and it's slightly open. So they think that the guy probably ran out. So they just are checking around him and his partner. They go in, which takes you into the dance floor. Bobby Mackey's the main performance area. And they hear something above the dance floor, which is the room where they would keep all the extra instruments and stuff. 
So there's a ladder behind the stage that goes up to that attic. He climbs up the ladder first. His buddy is down behind him. And he gets to the top and he's shooting his flashlight all through the, the attic area. And his buddy just starts pulling on his pant leg like, hey, 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 hey. And he's like, stop it. You know, leave me alone. And uh, his buddy does it again. And he's like, turn around. And he looks. He shines a flashlight down the ladder. His buddy is at the bottom of the ladder, not speaking, just looking up at him. And he's like, what do you want? And he's like, I didn't say anything. And he was like, we're getting out of here. So he climbs back down the ladder and he leaves. So that was like all I had ever heard about Bobby Mackey's. And then fast forward like 10 years later, I start doing stand-up. And I'm appearing somewhat frequently on this local morning show. And they tell me, we are going to Bobby Mackey's. And we're taking 20 listeners. And, a, and they each get to bring a Or 10 listeners. And they each get to bring a guest. And we're going to spend the night at Bobby Mackey's like two days before Halloween. She was like, do you want to come? And I was like, yeah. I was like, I've heard about this place, but I've never been there. So she's telling me the story that's also in the book about the guy who ended up suing Bobby Mackey's because he says he was accosted in the restroom. Uh, it was the only time he'd ever been in the restroom by himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, he saw these two men in the mirror and... That's when he passed out, and everybody at the bar heard this like commotion from the restroom. They thought there was a fight, and they go, and he's laying passed out on the floor, and the garbage can is like six inches off the ground, just banging itself against the side of the bathroom stall. Like you know, a bunch of people saw this or whatever, and that guy sued Bobby Mackey because he said you knew this place was haunted, and you didn't do anything about it, and I don't know. They settled out of court, whatever. Why anyway. he has a sign now? Right, there's a sign, enter at your own risk. <laughs> That's all it takes. Yeah, so um, so I had a show that night, and I brought clothes to change into, and that was the only story I'd heard, was the story of my buddy's dad, and then about the guy in the bathroom by himself. So I go down, the bar's still open, and uh, I was like, I'm going to go change, and I go into the bathroom, and I'm the only one in there. So initially, I'm like, all right, I am going to change as fast as I can and get out of here, because I'm already starting to kind of get freaked out. So they had brought this psychic down who was doing readings for people. He scared two listeners and their guests so much that they left before the bar closed. And the whole time I'm there, I'm just kind of thinking, like, this... Like, what? this place isn't haunted, you know what I mean? Like, I just, nothing nothing made it feel haunted. They gave us a tour of the building. But it was still going to be fun to spend the night there. So, in the middle of the night, we were watching, we watched The Exorcist at 3 in the morning on the dance floor. And then <laughs> and then after that, they like, we're, we're going to have a seance. And so, we all sit around this table in the middle of the dance floor. And the psychic's leading the seance. And, you know, he's trying to talk to people and... You know, I'm sitting next to the, the girl from the radio station, and we're all holding hands, and he he points at me. The the psychic points at me, and he's like, you. And I was like, yeah? He goes, you've been having some dream a lot lately, and it's about... The, I don't even remember what he said, but it was not true at all. And I was just like... I remember in that very moment thinking, this is not... Like, nothing is haunted here. Like, this guy is is full of it. This place is fine. It's just a, you know, it's just a legend. That thought entered my head. I didn't say anything. And as soon as I thought that, I felt a chill 
like I've never felt in my entire life. It would almost be like when you open like a freezer door and that cold air just kind of brushes past you. I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything, but I felt it. My arm hairs are standing up right now thinking about it. And I just dropped, I dropped the hands of the people I was holding hands with and everybody's like, what happened? I was like, I don't know. I was like, I'm done. And I genuinely felt like something was telling me like this guy might be full of it, but this place is legit. And so I was like, okay, I'm done. Just from a feeling? Just from like, <laughs> but it was a chill like I've never had before. Like it was just, and there was no, you know, the, the fan wasn't on. Like there was, it was so random. You know what I mean? Like it was so noticeable in that moment of just like, like I just kind of, kind of freaked out and I walked away. And then the next morning, Channel 12 came to interview everybody that spent the night there and their equipment wouldn't work. They're out in the parking lot. Their cameras worked. They come inside to film. Everything just goes on the fritz. They couldn't. They couldn't do a story because, yeah. like, for some reason, nothing was working there. So I was like freaked out enough that I wanted to read that book. So I, you know, just to find out the history of the place. And I don't know how much of it's fictionalized or you know beefed up for the sake of selling the book. But the affidavits at the end of the book, where people like they sign it, you know, former employees and that sort of thing. They write, here's what I experienced there, and I, you know, I genuinely swear that this happened, or whatever. But so many of those talked about that same kind of chill that I had felt of just like, I'd just be standing there, and then all of a sudden, like, this, this chill, like, takes over my entire body out of nowhere, and then goes away. And I don't know if people have experienced that on other places, but in that moment, like it really changed my mind about everything about, you know, like I said, I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything, but that's when I kind of became interested in it. And then we went to the Waverly Hill Sanatorium in Louisville. And that's where I had some more, like I kind of saw something for the first time and heard something for the first time, but I've been a believer ever since then. I'm just, I'm curious, like, what have you seen other than, like, that Bobby Mackey's person? Yeah. Like, like what 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 does people describe the most that you're, like, when you hear it, you go, you experience something? From, from there? Yeah, from anywhere. From anywhere. Can I just close out a Bobby Mackey thing real fast? Sure. Let me just sure. say this. Hell's Gate, you're talking about Hell's Gate, which is a book with all the accounts, and a lot of those stories are true. So, to kind of close out the chapter in my life, I... My last book was for the Haunted America series called Ghost of Bobby Mackey's Music World. And I did some really deep research. The stories they were telling about the Johanna dancer that killed herself, couldn't find her, had the help of a private investigator, couldn't find her. Um, not sure it's true. The suicide note in the wall upstairs are lyrics to an old song. The Pearl Bryan murder, where her head was supposedly dumped in this well in the ground. Yeah. Not possible, because it turns out that time it was a distillery and that was one of three holes in the basement where they're pumping water into the distilling process. That's not related. Well, I got to tell you this. When I did research the history, like the real history was scarier than the fictionalized stuff they're telling. Um, like it was the and site this of, is in your book? Yeah, yeah. It's the site of the first public um, gallows were there. Um, there was a bridge collapse right there that killed 41 men that no one ever found before prior to 1900. Um, and then you get into like more recent years. When it got closed down and right before Bobby bought it, it was closed as a public nuisance for two shotgun deaths from, you know, rivaling motor motorcycle gangs. That's all I'll say about yeah. that. And uh, 
But prior to that, the mob ran the place, the mafia ran it, and there's like still bloodstains in the basement. So yeah, a lot of a lot of gangsters were murdered in the basement, right? Well, I mean, they didn't keep records about that. That's true. The legend. <laughs> Could the legend of the guy, I mean, again, you can debunk this right now, but the the legend of the guy that um, got accosted there, the story behind that was the two men that allegedly had beheaded the girl at their public hanging, he, the, the guy today that got accosted, looks just like the guy who was the executioner back in the 1800s or whatever. That was mm. the story that we were told. Is that the stories about Scott Jackson and Alonzo Walling being Satan worshippers or whatever? Yes, has never been substantiated. That, that they were doing ritualistic stuff there has never been substantiated. Not true, probably. But the thing that's is, the story there was the, a sla- it was a slaughterhouse, and they would dump the animal blood into the well. The slaughterhouse and was south. Saying, yeah. So in my book, I have a map. It shows okay. the slaughterhouse was a little bit south. Oh my gosh! This and what sat there was a distillery, which is fitting going into the you know, Prohibition era and stuff. But um. The problem with those spirits is whoever whoever you want them to be, they'll be that for you to interact mm-hmm. with them. Prior to this book coming out, people, yeah, people would ask for this Pearl Brian, and you would get responses and, and voices. Now, since the book has come out with real names, documented deaths and stuff, people go in there with those names, and now they're getting responses from those people, supposedly. Oh, I gotcha. It's you. like, whoever you want me to be, I'll be that. Gotcha. Mm. Are you Darth Vader? Yes, Darth Vader's here. You know, like, whoever you want them to be... I'm not even sure there's any human haunts there. I'm not really sure what's going on, but it's like they'll take on whatever persona you're looking for. If you go in there looking for demons, that's what you're going to experience. If you go in there looking for angels, you're going to experience that. To smell the roses. Whatever you're looking for is what they'll adapt to, and it's really a strange case. Well, like the, the stories about the jukebox t- comes on and it plays the the anniversary waltz that he danced to Bobby Mackey danced to at his wedding and someone goes over and the jukebox is unplugged, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like when I used to do the events there, we used to play that just silently. We'd play the anniversary waltz and then we would just listen. And that's when we got the nastiest stuff. I'll kill you. I'll kill your family. Like these clear voices would come through like threatening and saying the names of your daughters and their toys. And it was like really creepy. So that's all I'll say. I can go on for that place for like hours. Well, let me, this is that. So let me, cause now I'm fascinated to know what in the book that I read isn't. And I'm a hundred percent going to read your book. I should have brought a copy for it. Um, but is there, is there truth to the, that, um, Bobby Mackey, the current Bobby Mackey, like his real name is very comparable to the guy that is mentioned in the book of, so in the book, the mob bosses, the bobber, the, the um, mob boss's daughter fell in love with a local boy and he did not approve. So she allegedly killed her dad. I don't know if that happened or not. And then he, cause her dad had this guy killed that he did not approve of. And that guy's name is eerily similar to Bobby Mackey's real name, who had, who has always said he felt a weird calling to purchase this place. Robert Randall, the person you're talking about that supposedly fell in love with just Johanna Dancer, again, did a deep dive through Ancestry.com for private investigator, couldn't find anybody attached to a club ever named Robert Randall. Okay. Doesn't mean it's not true, but the connection coming from that like that legend is that his name was Robert Randall, yeah. and Bobby's name is Robert Randall Mackey. See, like, I mean, when I when you read that, and you you know, without the <laughs> the luxury of talking to you about it, like you read that, and you're like, that is some of these things could be true. We just can't find any yeah any right. uh, documentation. All right, that. say the name of the book one more time, just so it's called Ghosts of Bobby Mackey's Music World. Okay, it's in local bookstores. It's under the Haunted America series. Oh man, nice. I might buy that today. <laughs> so you're friends with the Ghost Adventures guy? 
I mean, I've worked team. with them a few times. Because didn't they have the same thing when they went there? Didn't some of those guys have a string of bad luck? So at conf- uh, yeah, at the conferences, I've seen those guys a few times. I did speak with Aaron Goodwin one time at a conference. He told me he had similar problems. He brought something terrible home from Bobby Mackey's. He kind of confided, I think it's public now, so I can say it, but he kind of confided that he thinks whatever he brought home terrorized his wife so badly that it contributed to him his, his marriage ending. While wow. he was on the road, she was so badly messed with at home that it kind of turned her off to the whole thing. Well, let me ask you this. Cause I don't know if I've heard this from TV. It's been fictionalized or from ghost hunting shows. I don't remember what the what the folklore is. But does this spirit, something tragic had to happen to the spirit at the location? Or can they move from place to place? Because where we used to live uh, was a ranch house built in the 50s. The couple that lived there previous to us both passed away there of natural causes. They weren't killed or anything. And my wife swears that she went in to check on our daughter one night, Hannah, when she was little. And Hannah was uncovered when she peeked in. She went back in a few minutes later. Hannah was covered with a blanket. And she swears it must have been, you know. And I said, well, from what I understand, if the person passes away there, that's where their spirit stays if it's unsettled or something like that, I don't, to my knowledge, they don't move from place to place, or do they? No one knows for sure. Okay. I've Some of the most haunted places I've ever experienced have no tragedy attached to them, but I'll tell you one of the big common denominator is, is a building has sat empty for a period of time, a number of years usually. Uh-huh. I don't know what it is about congregating, but even the most benign building will sit empty, and suddenly after someone goes back in, it's, now it's haunted. Why does that happen? Uh, we also notice a big correlation with being near running water or near railroad tracks. Does that just mean it's older and more people moved through those areas back in the day? Or what does that have to do with anything? And then you get into the we- real weird angle where a handful of times over the last 23 years, I've actually captured voices of, I guess, spirit, uh, these voices that weren't us that claim that we're scaring them, we're ghosts, and for us to go away. What, what does that mean? Like, like we're in the, in, the, in their reality, we're the ghost. Mm-hmm. Then you get into some weird science. I don't want to, you know, can, we can go down that rabbit hole if you want. But uh, the idea with the CERN, Absolutely. the Hadron Collider, <laughs> and leaning towards like multiverse, and that's probably true. It's probably what's happening. All these realities are happening at one time. What about the upside down? Stranger, Stranger things. things. <laughs> <No>. um, <laughs> um, and we perceive certain Sorry. things. I mean, it could be... Alternate universes? <laughs> I mean, it makes you wonder. Yeah. Is there some different version of us that's just a little bit different haunting us in this reality? Is it us somewhere else? Yeah, maybe we're the ghosts. Maybe we're the ghost hunter in this reality that's bothering us in our, our professional doctor reality, which is just sideways of... The, I don't know, you know? Jeez. I was trying wonder. to remember where I rem- remember the Lorraine Newman name from, and it's from Paranormal State. Do you, re- did you L- ever Lorraine watch that show? Lorraine Warren. Lorraine Warren. Lorraine Warren. They would call her in a lot. Did you ever watch that show? Yeah, I've seen a few episodes. I don't really it, watch it was the ghost this, shows. These, uh, <laughs> it was these kids at Penn State who were into sort of yeah, ghost I know what hunting, you're about. and they would go to different establishments or houses or whatever, and they'd always bring in like a pro, mm-hmm. and it was like the the one guy, Chip something. Chip Coffee. Yeah, very nice guy. And. Uh, yeah. And then Lorraine was the other one, and I was just—it was bugging me to remember what where I saw her from. Man, so have you been to the, the Waverly Hills? I've had all these invites over the years, and I've had all this opportunity, and it's never worked out. I somehow have never been there still. What? I don't know. Apparently, I was People told again. Me, this is all like you're the expert. I was told it's the second most haunted place in the country behind Colonial Williamsburg. I mean, that's probably, in this part of the country, that's one of the places I hear the most ghost stories from, people that come on our ghost tours. And I don't know. 
I have to try to get there someday. It's just never worked out. It's I've incredible. had seven or eight different opportunities, and for whatever reason, that's always just ne- never came together. We were there. So for those who don't know, Waverly Hills was this place in Louisville, right outside of Louisville where during the polio... Tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. That's what it was. Sorry. Epidemic. They would basically send people there to die. I think they, they had a stat that it was like 100 bodies an hour at, at its peak were being removed from there. And they they had this building. It was beautiful building. I think it might have actually been a hotel at one point or something, but marble floors. And they would put the patients out on the balcony and open the window because the breeze would flow through and they'd try to keep the air clean. But they were so many people there were dying that they had to build this body chute. And it was basically a tunnel that went from the back of the building all the way down to an access road and they would just dump bodies down the chute and then take them away so that the current patients wouldn't be able to see like how many people were dying. Jeez. It's basically for history buffs, it's the same setup as the Dunham Hospital was at the, what is now the Dunham Recreation Complex in the west side in Price Hill. That was also a TB hospital. With okay. it. it has underground tunnel. It has a potter's field down behind it. It's very similar for people that are history buffs that's the same thing yeah Waverly Hills was the same thing as what was happening here that one is haunted also here in town but it's not as well known yeah and the hospital's gone from that okay it's now like an open there's like some ball fields and stuff out there wow well we were I remember this was the first place that I ever heard or saw something so we were on one floor and it had been raining and like all the windows are busted out so there was probably a good like inch of water on the marble floors and we were standing still in this hallway, and you could hear footsteps. Like it sounded like dress shoes on a marble floor, but there was no splash. You know what I'm saying? Like there, like if it had been someone actually walking, you would have heard them walking on a wet marble floor. But this was just like crisp feet. Like everyone heard it. It was insane. And then I saw something pass through this doorway. Like, just sort of out of the corner of my eye. Which, again, like you, I would love to hear your uh, suggestion for how people can watch for this sort of thing. But they told us, like, it's very rare that you see something right in front of you. It's usually in your peripheral or if you try to, like, relax your eyes. It's it... Yeah. But well, anyway, I saw this something passed in front of a door. Wait, how nerdy do you want to get? I mean, I want to get super nerdy. So, like, yeah, I, wherever you want to take it. I'm yeah. loving this. <laughs> So we did do an aside. I mentioned I do this science study. We just have a couple of us that like to do like true scientific control studies. It's not well known to the public. TV is very much about scaring you a mystery. So we did a preliminary study about why some people see spirits or claim to see spirits and others don't. Thought for sure we were just going to like totally debunk it and, and and I don't know. But here's what happened. So we got a control group and a test group. Okay, a control group who doesn't claim to see anything at all, and then this test group of people that claim to see spirits that we can't see and it's happened for years people come to us hey i see ghosts as real as you and me and we're thinking for a long time maybe you need some medicine yeah (laughs) so we expose them to different different frequencies of light because we know like all around us we see a very small percentage of what's happening around us the visible light spectrum is like in the middle here and we have all kinds of like infrared ultraviolet light x-rays tv signals radio signal you can't see any of this stuff in the environment it's there you can't witness it you can't see it the human eye is very bad at seeing anything at all so we expose them both groups to different different frequencies of light 
And when we got to ultraviolet, to UV light, um, where your eyes really shouldn't see, over, gosh, it was over 96% of the, of the test group um, was able to see colors and, and definition in ultraviolet frequencies, which you shouldn't be able to do huh. according to human evolution of the eye. So it makes us wonder. And a lot of them looking back can now have eye problems because it's like staring at the sun all day, every day. It's that same radiation that's coming in your lens. So it makes you wonder why some people see ghosts and others don't. I mean, we're not for sure, but it could be as simple as frequency. Like you can, they can see in frequencies that we can't. So then there's, I contacted this European researcher who was doing a neurology study on pre-adolescent brain structure. Had nothing to do with ghosts at all. But in his study, 78% of his kids prior to age eight were able to see ultraviolet frequencies. And then eventually as the eye and the, and the visual cortex of the brain changed, it came down to where it was supposed to be, and that went away around age eight. So, so could, that, could that explain why kids are why, freaking yeah, us out? Yeah. Look, Mom, there's a boy in the corner, and you're going, there's no one there. You're freaking me out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think a very small percentage of his kids carried it into adolescence and adulthood, but most of that went away. So it could be as simple as frequency. Um, so we use these devices on ghost hunts that are like, uh, I'll show you a picture, maybe put up on the on the. Log or whatever. Yeah. Um, of like using a full spectrum technology to look into frequencies that you can't see with the human eye. I think this is one taken out. Yes. Bobby Mackey's here. So this has got, this is an ultraviolet. It looks almost like a, a, a veil and maybe like a, like hair and a nose, like a face. Oh, yeah. Jeez. What? So that's kind of where we're going currently, like in the science side, is trying to see they're always around, they're here. And if it's, if it's frequency, if it's really that simple, then imagine a future where you can just. Turn on or off spirit vision and see your dead yeah. mother. Well, to that yeah. end, mother-in-law. Can yeah, you imagine maybe they that? Go anywhere. Maybe hey, maybe just... some people would be very loving, but you don't want your dead mother-in-law who hated you for your whole life. Now she's <laughs> dead, and you're at peace, and then she's back at the dinner table. You don't want that either. Wash you know. Dishes. So well, to that end, is it is it an explainable phenomena? Because I know a lot of times with the, with the related community of UFOs, a lot of times. It can usually be ex- like ninety percent or ninety-five percent can be explained away as you know experimental aircraft, natural phenomena. But there's that little tiny percent that they still don't know. Is that the case with uh, what you see? Here's a problem: the ones, the ones like us that are doing it the right way are interested in the scientific studies. Maybe it's less than a hundred in the world. Um, there's a good core in Germany um, and some overseas, but none of us are PhDs. None of us are like have the credibility built up. Now, I have had help from some scientists or physicists over the years. It's very, there's very much a stigma attached to this work though still. Like, hey, I believe in this and I'll help you, but you can't use my name. I can't ever, like, no one can know this because I have a reputation. reputation. Yeah. My funding could be cut. I could be ridiculed by colleagues. So that stigma is still there. Is that my hope is that, I don't, well, I always say, people people say, what's your end game? What's your point? And I, I always say that I hope in a hundred years from now, they look back and go, wow, these guys that were studying it were so dumb, they didn't know anything. <laughs> yeah. I hope yeah. that it, it progresses to the point where it's at least, I think science, at, we're getting close to the point where they're going to be forced to explore the unseen world and they realize that there's so much more in the unseen world than what we can see. Wow. Yeah. I mean, even CERN is looking at Hadron Collider, the particles trying to prove other dimensions exist, which we, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. But <laughs> It's as easy as our eyes don't work. <laughs> I think we're going to, I think science will be forced into that. I hope so. So I hope a hundred years from now, like I tell people, I hope they go, wow, those quote ghost hunters were so stupid. They didn't have the brain implant chip to see spirits and they didn't know any of this stuff. I hope that's true. Well, if that, that is we, true, we keep then this they'll, base also, going. they'll also credit you with being like 
the building blocks of what they're doing. I don't. Yeah, I don't much care about that. I don't think the people <laughs> that, people that do the work don't care about credit. It's about like opening the eyes and saying like shaking these scientists by the arms and going, "Look, look." The ones that say there's no evidence. Yes, there is. Look at these voices appear. They appear under controlled conditions over and over again, even in Faraday cages and in front of dozens of witnesses. And they're answering your questions. And there's something here. Please, like, look into it. So all your research, I mean, you obviously have a business of taking people around and trying to let them experience and learn for themselves. But all of this research and your findings and everything, is that accessible to the public? Is there a website or is it? Or do you just use it for, like, you know, when you do write a book or something? I mean, it, we talked about it. I mean, we're in the process of putting up some studies, but who are we? We're not that important. I think. I mean, I can, we can share them. Short. But, <laughs> but, I, but I, myself and others that do this work agree that it's much more about the work. I, I don't know. I don't know if the, I don't know if people are ready for it, honestly. Why? Well, like am. TV, and, until the TV goes, until all the like scare you tactics go away from television and people start looking more at the whys. Does that make it harder? Does that make it harder for the real work you're doing, but does it also make it better for the business you run? Like, is it a double-edged sword? I see them as two different things. Look, even well, though I have all this experience and I know that these things, some of these things are real, I don't try to push that opinion on people. Right, but don't you think that the TV shows help your your business of I'm sure, yeah, I mean, they, I'm sure they have. I mean, yeah, people are interested in... Um, so when they come here to film, like I saw the one where they went to Kings Island, like oh, yeah. they went through the park at night at Kings Island. Um, do they do they ever try to reach out to like the local ghost hunting crew to come with, or is it is it if I don't it's know. a TV show? Is it all about You're talking about ghost TV hunters show? that came through? I think it was like ghost I did hunters. an episode with them at Bobby Mackey's. I was in there for like ten seconds. They just interviewed, you know, about experiences, and then totally went in the direction of. Yeah. Well, here's what we don't think is true, and they went with that direction. Okay, fine. Okay. <laughs> Here you go. Uh, the pregnant women and the. What about the uh, Kings Island? Have you done any? <clears throat> no, I've never been out there. there. I never, no, I never have. No, I've heard, yeah, I've heard about that for a long time. I've never been out there to look into it myself. What's on your bucket list of places to go, whether it's local or national? I want to go to Williams Williamsburg. I tell you, the only place I really would like to get into someday, if the price comes down from hundred thousand or whatever it is per night, I'd like to get into Alcatraz. Is that how much it costs? I don't even know. I don't know. But they have to shut down the whole island. And if, I just want just one night to go up against Alcatraz. That would Absolutely. be my dream. I think my favorite unsolved prison environments are the, are the most haunted from my experience. Yeah. Wow. You ever interview uh, pr- uh, prisoners? Or you, you, from Alcatraz? Or, 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 just, or, or do you go to the old ones? That, uh, yeah, the, like the we have an upcoming event in our, for our ghost tour business in April. Going back to We go to Mansfield Reformatory. That's yeah. like the most haunted prison in this part of the country. I mean... I've driven past it. Well, they filmed Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank, it's yeah. very haunted. It's kind of the extreme end, though. It's a little aggressive, and, you know, you get the, like... I can't imagine. I'll kill you voices, and people get shoved. And women have their butts grabbed and stuff. It's kind of extreme, but people like to have those experiences, I guess. So whatever it takes for them to realize it's real. Yeah. But a prison environment is definitely, like, one of the more aggressive and more haunted environments, from my experience. What about the Dent Schoolhouse? That's the that's another local famous one. Have you been there? Have you? I've never looked into it just because <laughs> I find there's this fascinating. There's, there's so like much. So many places that are notoriously so much, known around here. People have claimed that. I didn't. I gotta just say I've never looked into it myself. I have people I've met that said they have, and that's all a backstory. But who knows what? I mean, I mean the schoolhouse in Long Hills what? was 
if the building sat empty, it could potentially be haunted, from my experience. So, I mean, but the whole, I mean, who knows why. What's it going to take for you to go to back to Bobby Mackey's with us? I don't, I don't, <laughs> I have no desire. I, really, I love that the guy that runs the Haunted Cincinnati Tours is like, I ain't going in there. Like, that's, that's, that's hilarious. I lived it, though. I've lived it, and that changed my whole view, and I just don't want to expose myself to that ever again. Yeah. 600 hours you thought you'd put in there? Yeah, we did the math at one time. It was like over 600 hours over, like, five or six years. That's insane. Doing events and ghost tours and going through there. And so there's a there's a somewhat famous ghost in Eden Park, right? I mean, I'm not about famous, but if anybody knows Cincinnati history, they know of George Remus. And I don't know if people know a little bit more, but he also shot his wife. And he, where he shot her was at the gazebo in uh, Eden Park. Yeah. Remus. So this uh, is George here. From uh, Boardwalk yeah, Empire. King yeah. of the bootleggers. Here's uh, Augusta Imogene. Imogene. There's the Price Hill Mansion. That's one of the ghost stories we cover. Um, it'll take me like 20 minutes to tell you that story. But, you know, he was a he was a king of the bootleggers running the operation out of the west side there. There's a picture we got from a collection of Remus himself loading cases of whiskey onto a truck. <laughs> wow. Now, how so do you eventually, come across, like, these photos and stuff? They're just online? You got to no, do a lot no, of No, no, like or? going through, like, Delhi uh, Historical Society. Um, they have a Jack Doll collection. So he got arrested, um, was booked on violating the Volstead Act. But, you know, he found a loophole where you could sell alcohol to yourself for medicine. So he would set up a fake pharmaceutical company. And then he'd get these whiskey certificates to remove barrels or cases of whiskey from these federal distillery warehouses during the Prohibition age. And get his own men to hijack the shipments off the street and put it into sale on the black market. So a very small amount ever went to the shelves as medicinal whiskey. (laughs) So he ran the whole thing. And from my research, he was, I mean, banking... He made pretty much the equivalent of about $36 million in today's money in just about two years. I mean, he, but the reason was he had the real stuff, and people came from all over America to get it from him because at that time everyone was making bathtub gin, yeah, getting sick, and it wasn't the real stuff. So he ended up losing his empire when he went to prison. His wife pretty much liquidated his assets, um, started an affair with a, with a prior... Um, FBI agent, and they liquidated everything he had. And when he got home after prison, after his prison sentence, it was pretty much emptied of every stick of furniture and all of his artwork, and everything was gone pretty much. She'd taken him for all he had. So the day they were doing um, Hamilton County Domestic Relations Court, October 6, 1927, he gets a chauffeured Buick and he finds out she's staying at the Alms Hotel in Walnut Hills, which is like the, a McDonald's now. It's not there. So just by chance, they go by this hotel, and they see Imogene and her daughter getting in this taxi cab, and this, like, Hollywood chase ensues with this chauffeur Buick chasing this cab around town in and out of Eden Park. Eventually, according to court documents, it's run off the road next to the gazebo, and Imogene gets out running down the road, and George gets out as well, running after her with a pistol in his hand. And according to what was in the papers and the, and the court documents, right there in front of a dozen witnesses or so, he catches her by the arm in front of the gazebo and shoots her in the abdomen right there in front of everybody. He went and turned himself in right away to the police station, and his exact quote was, I just shot my wife, and she deserved it. She's a floozy. Language. Yeah. <laughs> she died of her gunshot wound, and he was brought up on first-degree murder charges. So Remus decided, being a, a trial lawyer prior to this, he had experience enough to be his own representation, which everyone said was a bad idea. But he also used a tactic that no one really ever heard of in 1927. He claimed he was not guilty by reason of insanity. That she made him so temporarily insane from what she did to him and taking all of his assets and selling everything off 
that he couldn't be responsible for murdering her there in the park in front of everybody. So this trial ensues, and George pretty much paints a picture of Imogene, his wife, and this, and this federal, um, prior federal agent as these terrible people who took him for all he had. The jury deliberates for 19 minutes. This is the jury. Yeah. And they get a unanimous verdict on one sheet of paper. So they got a verdict so fast, they went to lunch first, then came back. And when they came back in, Remus comes in for the verdict here, and they say, we the people find the defendant, George Remus, not guilty by reason of insanity. So, wow. you can see, fate of one-time bootlegging bearing decided to 19 minutes. <laughs> 19 wow. minutes. So there's always, for years, there's been these these concerns that maybe he bribed the jury or somehow got to the jury and, and uh, threatened them. Threatened them. And we had heard for years about the night he was acquittal, he wasn't set free, he was found to be insane. So he wasn't free yet, but that he, they allowed him to wear a suit and have a reception in his jail cell, and that some of the jurors came and parted with him and drank with him. So after digging really deep into like people's personal photos and old records and stuff, we finally came across a picture. So here's the uh, so here's the jury. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna focus on this lady. The head covering. See her. Yeah. Her and this guy. Yeah. So that night we got to hold a picture. There they are. There's two jurors the night of his acquittal uh, shaking hands him. with him, saying, like, it was December 23rd. Poor George, you've been through so much. We're so happy we could give you this Christmas present. Um, they tried to get him released and home with his family for, for Christmas as well. He ended up using the case's whole, the state's whole case against them. How could I be insane when you said I wasn't? And he pretty much got off scot-free with murder. Wow. So Imogene, so, well, this is what happened. For years, Eden Park started, people started saying, like, they see a woman dressed in all black who's either there and gone or transparent. And this is one of the cases where it came to, like, our attention. And this is one of the weird things around town where we heard the ghost stories first and then we're able to go back and connect. Maybe this is why it's happening. Find the history after. So the day she was killed, she was dressed in all black. She was in a black silk dress, black shoes, and a black French hat. So people on the ghost trails have gotten some weird stuff. Um, Let me go to the ones that are good. So you guys put a story to that. To the site. Maybe it's her. Maybe it's her. So you didn't come here to Cincinnati and hear about the ghost of uh, Imogene Remus. You guys figured it out yourselves that that, that's more like... I mean, I don't think it was hard. I think that the the story was still kind of out there somewhere, but no one ever connected the dots. No one really took credit for it. Maybe it's not. There's other stuff. I mean, there's other drownings and stuff that happened there in the reservoir. It may not be her, but we think it is. So look at this picture someone caught one night so so we're in the park one night and a ghost tour and people we tell them to take a snap 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 take many shots in a row because these things can come and go yeah so here's this black figure in the middle of the gazebo and the head's not very well defined torso's not well defined but you get to the legs like one leg is definitely there and solid and the other one's transparent whoa walking this one i was Shh. there for so i know it's real is it her it's that's something oh weird. yeah because like everyone else in the picture is standing still so it's not like it's not yeah it's not like someone motion. in motion yeah and one frame that yeah. appears and then goes away yeah like look right there oh my god like one foot is casting a shadow yeah that's nuts look at that oh man that's incredible and I, <laughs> wow. I remember this from, so the, then, from the tour you you know we always say oh we have orbs in our in our uh, shots you're like nah orbs aren't anything you know, so Always have been disproven for a long time. Yeah, so, so there's like there's there's all this stuff that people know that you could use to your benefit. And you're just like, no, that's bull. You know. Well, I want to mislead people. I know. That's the, know. I think that's what's great about. It. That's what I, I think that's what makes it even more. Every person more believable. who's a photographer knows about that the circle of confusion phenomenon. That's why I use the flash so far away from the the camera because it creates these like it'll illuminate these dust or pollen. So. uh 
one night we're doing a tour and there's like in the bushes area right by the gazebo there they're getting like weird hits on their meters and the bushes are moving and they one of them said they heard a voice and I'm thinking oh my god there's a raccoon and they're going to about to get bit and have rabies on our ghost tour <laughs> and this old woman snaps this shot and says I think I got something and I'm like sure I'll take a look whatever and she shows me this and I'm like what in the what? world oh get out of here oh no right <laughs> in the spot so I went back afterwards and got a side by side shot of her in life and her in the bush and it's kind of uncanny the dude that's nuts. every hair on my the body finger wave hairstyle right and the forehead wow. and the bridge of the nose and the yeah. eye sockets all seem to match her it, face. It is a face, you it guys. Is it is like a that now, is crazy. We, now we my include, eyes are watering. We'll include all these on the blog <laughs> uh, and also on the Podbean page if we can. But yeah, we'll I'll, I'll have Whatever directions for the end of the episode. Out there, we'll yeah, yeah. Sure. Dude, that is crazy. Wow. Is that is that the best you've ever seen? Um, people have gotten some good pictures. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily just of that, but of like plain as day. This is there's somebody standing there that's not really standing there. We're catching on film, yeah. Like, there's this part where we go to the ghost tour over, over by the Taft Museum and the fi- site of Old Fort Washington and Lytle Park. And the locals, for years, that walk their dogs say, There's these weird shadowy figures that go around here. My dogs bark at them. And some people swear by this. And we went there for years and years and never experienced it. Or we had one group that did. I didn't see it. And um, finally, a couple of years ago, someone got a picture of one. I'll show you here. So, this is like shot two shots in a row where. This area is empty in one shot, and then in the next shot, this thing appears. What? What? Like legs and uh, no, it's like a like full a, blown like a, outline of somebody. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, anyway, it's right there on the right hand side of the picture. So it's a classic shadow figure where it's the shape of a person, but it has no distinguishable features. So, you, so in the paranormal terms, so those terms, are like one picture right after the other. Yeah. Well, you can tell because the people here on the sidewalk are just a little bit further ahead. You see that? Yeah. And um, so, an apparition would be a picture where you have some distinguishable feature. <laughs> like I can tell they're wearing a blue shirt or a top hat, but a shadow figure, which we heard about for years here in this area, has no distinguishable features. It's just the outline of a person, and that's one that someone finally caught. That's um, crazy. Right wow. there, and it was like right when it happened, and again, I was there, and I'm like, wow, there's no one standing there. And now, did they did they take that picture because they saw it, or they just took a picture and it showed up on the We just tell people usually just to snap away and use the burst feature. It'll take like 30 frames a second, and some people sometimes will just get weird stuff in the spot. We don't even think <laughs> anything's happening. You know, That one of her face is crazy. That was creepy. <laughs> Weird stuff happens for sure. I mean, the ghost tours are like the most haunted outdoor locations, and then people usually get a little interested. Then if they want to have a more real experience, they come along on the overnight events where we actually go in a building and set up for the whole night. And like, where? What are some places you might do that around here? Well, we have like uh, Peter Loon Mansion. Have you been to there? No. Okay. All right. <laughs> it was like a. It's, it's an estate up in Indian Hill that. Um, <laughs> They do a lot of, like, uh, murder mystery dinners and stuff there, but it's always been a rumor that 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 place is haunted. It's like this old mansion in Indian Hill. Hmm. We try to do it within the two-hour radius of town. Like, we have, like, the old Licking County Jail out near Columbus. It's really popular. Um, We do an old school in Middletown that's closed down. It's really haunted. Um, Some opera houses. We do the Elisha Morgan Mansion in Fairfield sometimes. We'll do music hall every once in a great while. Yeah. So spend the night in music hall. Yeah. Oh, 
That's so cool. Yeah, because that so that Took was all built on, on all the gear. That was built on a cemetery, and they ended up just moving or just disposing of the graves. Did they even bother moving them or giving them. They're a, still there. They still found remains and during the recent renovation. I get they were supposed to have moved them, and they had kind of a sloppy job. I think is what I read somewhere. Uh, it's a Potter's Field. Yeah. yeah, and they're just thrown in the ground. Wow. No one knows how many are still there. All right, so tell people how they can sign up for one of your outdoor tours or sign up for an overnight. Let's let's get all your pitches out there. I want, I want, <laughs> yeah, I want you can go to, to yeah, go to hauntedcincinnatitours.com. And I'll have links to everything. Yeah. yeah. So you may be, I don't know, are you busier around the Halloween time? Do you notice anything different at Halloween versus other parts of other times of the year? You keep talking about at your house, like the 3 a.m., like, I've always heard that that's, like... The witching hour the witching or something, hour. maybe. Do you think there's something to that? I don't really know if it has anything to do with that. And the way, you know, the way that I was told by, like, Ed and Lorraine Warren when I was first coming up was, like, you don't do it in the dark to be creepy, but it's because overnight there's less interference. The sun goes down, there's less radio waves, there's, like... It's just, it's just, like, a, a more pure environment for communication was the uh. reason. Because some sense. of the most haunted places, the stuff happens in the middle of the day, and you can experience it in the middle of the day. But there is like kind of like a creepy factor to doing it at night, as well. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but time of year, like we were on the tours just from like the spring to the fall because they're outdoor. You don't want to be outside in the winter time. But generally speaking, winter is when the calls come in from people from their houses usually. And my best guess is winter is less humid and more static, maybe. I don't really know why, but winter seems to be a hot time huh. for when things get a little crazy. Tell us about your best uh, house call. Or, I don't know, there's, there has to be, like, some, like, one one story. You're just like, yeah, so we did a thing over in, like, uh, Fort Thomas years back, and the woman said her house was haunted. And we tried to ask the neighbors and research a little bit, and the neighbors said, we don't want to tell you what happened here. If we tell you, then she's going to move out. They wouldn't tell us anything. So we went in there and started getting this real angry guy's voice about, this is my house and get out. And then we got a woman's voice as well. Turns out, I guess this guy who previously lived there used to regularly beat his wife, unfortunately. And then she had diabetes later in life and lost both of her legs. They were constantly, they were notorious for having the police called and always be there. And here we came out with this, this guy named Tuck, which is his nickname, and this woman who called herself Rachel. And we took it to the neighbors and they go, oh my God, how did you know? So then we were able to contact someone, the guy's son on Facebook, and he goes, oh yeah, my dad was a real prick, you know? And um, it turns out that he was still there and so was she. And we did a cleansing in the house, and I swear to you, at the last moment before it happened, this yell came out, and he said, this is my house. And just like at my house, the foundation shook, and then it was over. It was like one of the weirdest ones I've ever experienced there. Jeez. So when you get a call, is your first do you, how much research do you do before you even go, or is your first thing to to just go and look around and ask a couple questions? Yeah, I kind of like you... to poke around first. I'll even like walk through sometimes with like a hidden, you know, uh, video recorder or a hidden audio recorder, like in a tissue box, and pretend I'm sick. Because sometimes I've been up against cases where they'll call you and say this place is crazy, and the minute you come out, nothing. They'll call you back a half hour later. This is nuts. There's plates coming off off the wall, and then you go back and there's nothing. So sometimes you need the element of surprise. And I'll walk in sometimes and just hide these things, and sometimes we'll catch stuff that we won't get any other time. Like, are they gone? Or can they see us? And then when you when you have out the gear and you're trying to make contact, you get nothing. Like, they're hiding. 
So it depends. I mean, wow. So like you have to sometimes outsmart them. It seems like that's crazy. (laughs) In some cases, not all, but in some cases. I'm fascinated. So if people (laughs) want you to come out to their house, they can reach you on the website as well. Yeah, I mean, it could. Yeah, if you <laughs> you gotta charge for that stuff. I'm no, no, you. I it's can't. Like get... I can't. I mean, it's my passion. I didn't. We didn't have anybody to help us when I was a teenager. I really like enjoy just kind of educating people, because most of the fear out there is just not people not understanding all the way. And I mean, we don't know everything. We don't have all the answers, but we. I think we. I, I think I understand a lot. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that understand why some of this stuff is happening, and if we can put their minds at ease or help them or see it through to the end, then. It's worth it in my mind. So cool, man. So at the end of each episode, we um, let the guest pick a word that the listeners can use to save 20% on their order until the next episode drops. So I don't know if you wanted to pick haunted or ghost or you got a better word, but you get to pick the word. It's their order at cincyshirts.com. We're not giving out 20% discounts on your haunted tours. Yeah, yeah, People need to pay full price for that, for sure. It's definitely worth it. I think everyone knows how to spell ghost, right? Yeah. I think so. All right, so there you have it. So code ghost. Until the next episode comes out, you can save 20% on your order at cincyshirts.com using the code ghost. So, Dan Smith, you've been our guest. Thank you so much, man. And uh, be sure to check out hauntedcincinnatitours.com and uh, I want to set something up where we go we go on a tour with you and and can we like Facebook live it or something let's do it let's one up it let's take you out into it I'll take you out into a building overnight and lock you in a room I don't know (laughs) (laughs) handcuff you to some haunted area I don't know I don't know business is going pretty good right now I really don't want to bring it uh, (laughs) I'm going to listen to this episode very closely when I edit the interview (laughs) This building was built like in the twenties, so you never know. Maybe these other maybe people they're think. talking to us right now. Exactly. Yeah, Ghost, I'll, you have I'll any questions for Dan before I'll we? Let you, uh... I'll let you guys know on the other side. And again, I'll tell you how to get the pictures that uh, Dan showed us, uh, where you'll be able to see those. And you guys have anything else? Awesome. Nope, it was amazing. Thanks, Dan. Hey, thanks. thanks. Stay haunted. Dan Smith from Haunted Cincinnati Tours, talking to Cincy Shirts founders Josh and Darren. Crazy stuff, right? If you want to see pics, we'll have those available on the Cincy Shirts blog, which you can access right from the Cincy Shirts homepage. It's right up there on the top. Just click blog, and it'll take you right to it. And that's at cincyshirts.com again. And they will also be available on the Podbean page, and that's cincyshirts.podbean.com if you're listening to this any other way than through the Podbean page, which most of you probably are, but you can find the photos on those two sites. I will try to include the time codes so you can match up Dan's description with the image. And uh, again, freaky stuff, as you heard. And I'm a skeptic, so uh, I'm gonna, you know, I can say that it was some pretty interesting stuff, especially the picture of Mrs. Remus. That was wild. So you can find Haunted Cincinnati Tours at hauntedcincinnatitours.com. They are also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And I believe they might also be on YouTube, so you can look for them there as well. Yes, they are. I just found that out. With that, I will tell you that today's episode was produced by me with help from Josh 
and Darren. Uh, our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing, who are from Philadelphia. You can find them on Facebook, and of course, you can find that song in iTunes or wherever else you get your music. Find Vintage Tees from Philadelphia and other great cities like Cleveland, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Seattle, and many more at OldSchoolShirts.com. And of course, Cincy Shirts is online at CincyShirts.com. And in case you missed it, the promo code for this episode is GHOST, and I believe that is good at both CincyShirts.com as well as OldSchoolShirts.com. You can use it at either one or both. If you're in the Cincinnati area, stop by one of our stores. We are in Over the Rhine at Maine and Liberty. Going to be moving down the street uh, in a month, though. We are also in Hyde Park on Observatory, a block from Hyde Park Square. And Loveland is coming soon. Hopefully in May we will keep you posted. In the meantime, download or stream us next time. Bye! I said goodbye. I wish I said goodbye.